HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Explore Ithaca's waterfalls, orchards, and craft beverage scene. Plan your getaway at visitithaca.com. Welcome to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt, a man on a never-ending search for the perfect pizza. This show is the audio version of the Pizza Talk YouTube series, where I engage in interesting conversations with some of the country's greatest pizza makers and other artisans. Thanks for joining me on this quest. Welcome back to Pizza Quest. I'm Peter Reinhardt. It's a new episode, but we're back with... One of our favorite guests, Mark Todd, the cheese dude. Welcome back, dude. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, and, and Mark's coming to us, as usual, from uh, this, this uh, hidden retreat on the Russian River in what do we call the, well, when I lived out there, we used to call the West County. That's right? it. We're in West County in, uh, called the West on County. the Russian River here. Yeah, West, which is Western Sonoma County, on yep. the way to the ocean. Uh, very cool area. Woods, forests, mushrooms, you name it. We've talked about all that in the past. One of these days, we're going to do a mushroom show with you, uh, but great. we're still working our way through cheeses. Lots to know on cheese. Lots to lots to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've we've done uh, pasta filata, which is the mozzarella style cheeses. We did uh, a, a, a session on cheddar cheeses, which, of course, we, I think, both confess to loving. I love cheddar yes. cheeses and and uh, had no I, I wasn't sure if I was like this sort of, you know, outlier out there that because cheddar always seems to be taken for granted, but I was so glad to hear that you feel the same way about cheddar cheeses as I do. Absolutely. But today we're going to get into hard dried aged cheeses. Mm -hmm. And I, I, under your urging, I bought a a couple of small pieces of different types. And I know you've got a a plate of different types. And uh, so you're going to take us through, let me tell you which ones I've got today, Mark, and then You'll tell us the order that we'll take them. So um, this is one that is a a goat cheese. It's from um, Cypress Grove, one of our favorite uh, Mm -hmm. cheese companies in Northern California. They, um, uh, I guess, what's the uh, what's the most famous one of theirs? The Humble Fog. Humble Fog. Humble Fog. A nice, oh, wonderful, soft cheese with ash in there. Uh, But this is a dried cheese. This is an aged cheese, um, and they call it Midnight Moon. 
it's softer than some of the other cheeses, but it's dry and aged compared to something mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, regular goat cheese. I've got some um, a Piave, Piave Vecchio. Piave Vecchio. Vecchio, Vecchio. And which um, we were, I was trying to find Asiago and they didn't have any at Whole Foods when I was shopping there, but they suggested we get this. They said it's kind of in the sim- similar vein. Yep, very similar. It's in the same vein. Absolutely. So, and of course, we're going to talk about what what makes all of these mm-hmm. cheeses different from each other. We've got a, um, a okay. I've got two types of goudas here. I've got actually, um, you had three. Uh, I think I have. Well, let me see. I've got this one here, which is which is a Casaggio Robusto, which is a ten month aged uh, right. gouda. Let me see. Somebody's trying. To somebody's me. buzzing. Uh, yeah, it's my. Uh, my my realtor. I'm gonna have to just let me tell her that I can't. We're move as you can see. We're moving. Absolutely. Uh, I'm gonna tell her. Uh, I'm gonna call her later. Okay. Um, okay. So this is a ten month. But then I also picked up. Right. My, where did where did it go? My um, thirty six month old aged Gouda. You pronounce it Galda? Did I? Uh, the, the the Dutch would pronounce it like K H O W D A. Gouda. Gouda. Uh-huh. And of course, oh, and as an American, I always have called it Gouda, but you can see, boy, a thick rind on that mm-hmm. and uh, a whole different characteristic. Oh, so we're going to yeah. see how those. And just to, let, just to let you see what happens when that cheese gets even older. See the color Ooh. on that one? My gosh, yes. That's when 10 it, years. A 10-year aged Gouda. 10-year aged Gouda. So you're going to tell us what happens during those interim seven, yep. six and a half years. Uh, I've got a piece of, uh, of course, we can't do an aged cheese uh, uh, session without Parmesan, Parmigiana Reggiana. Yep. Uh, and so this is the, I guess, the the real deal from right from the Parma region. I also have a what we think it's a, it was in. I had it in my refrigerator. And I pulled it out, and I, I, Mark, I think you've identified it as possibly an American. I believe uh, that's version. an American style Parmesan. Yes. Parm, so we'll see how those two kind of compare. And I've also got, let me see, we've got my Robusta. We've got. Um, you got your sheep's and milk. And then, and then there's one here called Mitika. Oh, this is a 24 month. Oh, this is the Parmesan. Right. Okay. okay that's, and then, but I've got that's another a, one here. Mitika is a brand name. Uh, oh, it's a, Okay. The other so, one you have is probably like Locatelli or something like that. That is the uh, uh, Romano. That is my Romano. The Locatelli, Romano. Yeah. So that is a. Uh, and did uh, you get real Italian? It's. I didn't get any real Italian. I just had the. I could only get the Locatelli. Uh, oh so no, that's Locatelli is that American. Locatelli is Italian. Made? No, that's Italian. Italian made. Yeah, that's so, the biggest maker. So it's a Pecorino Romano, mm-hmm. which means made from sheep's milk. Correct. Correct. Pecorino. So we've got. Uh, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six. I've got seven cheeses here, and then awesome. you've got a couple that I don't have. So I think we're going to be cheesing, cheesing all the way. Indeed. Where should we start? Well, for uh, on your plate, I would start with that uh, the the youngest of the goudas, the the goat's milk gouda, the midnight moon. That is a a goat's milk gouda oh. that's aged about six or more months. Um, it's actually made in uh, Amsterdam, or I mean, in uh, in uh, the Netherlands. It is, um, and it's imported by uh, uh, Cypress Grove. Okay, so 
So just because it says Cypress Grove doesn't mean that it was made in. If, yeah, if you if you read the label, it says imported by Cypress Grove, made in um, the Netherlands. They bring two cheeses. They bring a sheep's milk called um, <laughs> Lamb Chopper, <laughs> and uh, the, and the Midnight Moon that are both Gouda style cheeses made in uh, uh, the Netherlands and uh, brought over to the U.S. They started about six months aged. I like them in about 12 months. That's a beautiful cut right there. So, so this, is, this one says, uh, uh, how many you said about, uh, how many months did you say this was? At minimum six. It's minimum six, but it's, they're usually around eight, between eight and 12 by the time you get them at a store. Um, so what makes it a, a calda or a gouda style uh, cheese? The uh, every every name of cheese in the world, whether it's Parmesan, uh, cheddar, Gouda, those are recipes. That is a specific recipe that tells you this is what kind of rennet you should use. This is the temperature you want to heat the milk to. This is how long you do it. There you go, perfect. Now, when you, when you cut into that, you're going to see that you cut right clean through it. It's dense. It's a bit fudgy. Um, Texture-wise, you can squeeze it. You can still squeeze it. Yeah. That, that'll be the youngest cheese on your plate, and that one will be quite um, – it's, it's, it's fudgy. It's dense. It's denser than cheddar, um, but, and, and it has a little bit of a waxiness to it that cheddar does not have. That waxiness, exactly what I'm tasting, yes. That waxiness will become more evident as the cheese ages. But, and the fudginess is it, – it, it, I think as if you create a uh, maybe there exists a flavor wheel of the working flavor on it. We're that, working on it of every of textures and flavors. Fudgy is one that you know it's great. It's great analogy to what we're yes. what we're facing here. And, and uh, it's got, an, it's, got it's, it's a bit sweet. It's got little uh, um, a little bit of a uh, um, earthy background to it that comes from the being a goat's milk. Um, that you won't get that earthiness in some of the other cheeses because of it. This one is a goat's milk cheese. Yeah. Um, and the way the fat breaks down in goat's milk is a little different than it does in cow's milk. It's awesome though. It's incredibly oh, beautiful cheese. Yeah. Very smooth, perfect, perfect texture all the way through, even just like, like, like butter, you know, just perfect, like, like cream all the way through. Well, yeah. But what, that is, what, what is it generally, what do people generally do with this cheese? uh straight head huh? yeah it's just straight in the straight in the in the mouth this is not a i mean you could you could cook with it it melts like crazy uh but the, why would you do that to a cheese that's that beautiful um eat it with uh, um some uh, uh a dark beer and uh uh some um uh, soft pretzels and a little uh, uh coarse mustard it would be an outstanding uh little you know snack so, so that's a good point that you're bringing up, Mark. Is that uh, is that while some cheeses are great, you know, grated over pasta and mm -hmm. you know mixed with sauce and stuff, that there's some cheeses that are just so, what's the word? The the flavors are just so complex and subtle that you wouldn't want to muddle them up with a bunch of other right other ingredients. You just want to eat them and enjoy them in in well, their fullness. It, it, here's here's an interesting statistic, and I haven't got a I don't it, it's not current, but it, as far as I know, it's still accurate. Um, the United States consumes a little more percent of the cheese in our country is consumed as a part of a cooked dish. What was that percentage again? The screen froze up for a second. 
about 85% of the cheese consumed in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. is consumed as part of a cooked dish. About 15% is served as table cheese. I, well, that makes sense when you think about all the cheese that gets used on pizzas and on exactly. pastas and things like that. You but, go to Europe, it's yeah. exactly the opposite. The opposite. 15% goes in a dish. 85% is eaten as a table cheese. Because they've, so, they've, they've grown up learning to love the nuance. Exactly. Um, and now it's not that you wouldn't add things to this, but you would add things like a drizzle, like a, a balsamico or a, um, a honey or a um, date molasses or something yeah. like that. And, and maybe some smoked nuts, smoked almonds and, you know, just little things like that that are flavor bursts of their own. Yes. But they're there just to complement this incredible depth of flavor that you've got in an aged cheese. The fact that this cheese is made with, it's, it's a goat's milk cheese, right? This, mm -hmm. this is a, um, uh, uh, just the midnight. I, moon. Yeah. It, 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 so, but, but goat's milk is not the normal way, right? Isn't it generally gala is usually a cow's milk cheese. Correct. If you ever go to uh, um, the Netherlands, you will see that um, it is the land of cows. Um, lots cows, and yeah. lots and lots and lots and lots of cows. But so so the fact that it's called still called a, 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 in the category of Gouda would be that it's because it's of the, the recipe. recipe it's exactly. And that and does the recipe involve uh, the the microorganisms or the temperatures yes. of the of the Yes, uh, the tell you what? what cultures go into it, um, how much of each type of culture, you know, what the in your starter culture, there may be 20 different bacteria that can be used as part of a starter culture. And your recipe calls for like a Chinese menu, you know, one from column A, three from column B. Yeah. And that's your recipe there um, within that within that frame of Gouda there is subtle differences you can make with slight percentage differences in the culture you use, uh -huh. the, the procedures you make, how you cut the curd, the shape you cut the curd, the size, you know, how long it sits, how long you cook it, all those things will make a difference. So each small change can make subtle differences within a family of cheese, within a, a recipe. And, and then that recipe can be completely different than another recipe. Cream cheese is family. not like Parmesan. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. So, so the, the family of of cheese cheeses, so these uh, uh, this style, um, is going to be a very different recipe than, say, Asiago or Parmesan correct. or um, correct or even Romano. It's, so it's not just it's not just the type of milk. It's there's a whole there's a whole recipe of of microorganisms and would you say is is the and technique the the the, 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 pro the process. It the biggest differences are temperature you cook the milk at. Yeah. Size that you cut the curd, length of time you cook it, how much salt and when you add it uh, um, and uh, uh, how much you press it. Uh, those are all things that will dramatically in influence the end result. I, I, I may have asked you this in our very first uh, session, but I don't it. remember if I did. And I should have. And I need to. It's, it's pressing on me right now as we talk about this. How many different kinds of cheeses categorically are there and, you know, styles? I mean, if, if there's got to be, you know, some sort of a, a book that says there are, wasn't there a, a De Gaulle or somebody said, how can I govern a country that makes 350 different kinds of cheeses? But there's yeah. got to be thousands of cheeses. There are. 
And the, 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 the short answer is nobody knows um, <laughs> because they're literally making up new cheeses daily, weekly, monthly, yearly. They're uh, every year at the American Cheese Society, there are probably 100 new cheeses re represented that have never been made in the world before. And the, the great thing about cheese is that it, it, every step of the process produces the end result. And just the difference in when you cut the curd, one minute difference is a different cheese. That is a different product. It will come out slightly different. Is it almost the same? Yep. But it's not the same. Well, and that's why you can have literally the best guess is somewhere over 3000 right now around the world. Wow. Well, it makes sense. I mean, because it truly uh, highlights the artisanness, the artisan quality that 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 it's 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 in the hands of the maker yep. to make to make the difference. Just like bread bakers, you know, are all yes, they yeah. can all follow a French bread recipe, but the breads are all going to come out different based on absolutely the hands. And so, and that's that's why in most real high end cheese making, if you want to become a cheese maker of that cheese. You learn at the feet of people that have been doing it for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. That's how you learn by watching them do it and repeating exactly what they do the same way they do it yeah. every time, every day. It's a craft that, that, that is passed on. Uh, probably the oral tradition is the most effective way of passing on oral yeah. and, and tactile. Well, yeah. I've got a second piece of cheese here. Great. In the Go for family it. Now. This one is called uh, Casago Robusto. It's 10 month aged. Uh, and they, they listed as they just call it a 10 month age Dutch cheese, <laughs> yes. but, but it's in this family. Um, so 10 months is about the same aging as the as the, the the goat's milk cheese that we just tasted. But this one is probably cow's milk, wouldn't you say? Uh, that one is cow's milk. It's a uh, pasteurized cow's milk uh, using an animal rennet, I believe. Um, yeah, uh, it is older. That's at least four or five, probably four or five months older than the first one. You'll notice it's denser. Um, it has it's a firmer, little, almost, yeah. almost a crumb, more of a starting to crumble, not just creamy. Um, and if you look at it closely, you'll see there's a lot of open holes or open spaces in the face of the cheese. I'm That's seeing a, those. Yes. For those people who are listening to this podcast and not watching it on the video uh, while I'm holding it up and we're seeing some of the holes. Not as many as a Swiss cheese, but certainly a few holes. Right. But there's also something else I'm noticing, Mark. There's a granularness, a, a, some crystallization going on in here. You're just starting to get see that there's two different styles of granularization or, or crystallization. One of them is tyrosine. One of them is a lactase, a lactate um, that comes out. And they start to come out, depending upon the, the style of cheese, somewhere between eight and 10 months. By 10 to 12 months, they're starting to be noticeable over 10 to 12 months in almost every cheese, they become noticeable. So if you have two-year-old cheddar, you'll start to see them. If you have the, the, when you get to that 36 month gouda, which we'll do next, I'll do with you my 10, my uh, tenure. Um, you'll see, you'll notice them in all those cheeses. Let me uh, find that one. Um, I have it here in my pile of cheeses. Uh, that's the one, the Clarina. Yeah, I think here it is. Oh yeah. I've got mm -hmm. the Clarina now and I'll, unwrap it uh so the clarina is the most aged of the ones that i have you got right. one that's three three times as old i right. feel like like it's the archaeology version of it um well I'm, just, I'm not the cheese dude for nothing you know yeah <laughs> you you're you're earning your title uh it's this one is 36 months old so it's three and years you, aged minimum you see and all those little white spots 
Yeah, I see white spots. Yeah, that's where those crystals are starting to come out of out of solution. That's what that that's what causes that differentiation in color. And then you see the one hole that looks kind of round and smooth. Yes, that is that that the, the same gas that causes Swiss cheese to have a bazillion round holes uh -huh. occasionally gets into Dutch style cheeses, and you'll get small pea size holes in them. That's quite common. Mine has that as well. Do the holes themselves affect flavor? No, they uh, uh, they will eventually. Um, when they're young, they'll have a little bit of moisture inside them, water basically. Um, as they age, that that will dry out, and you'll start to see. I had one here. Uh, let me see if you can see that. You see that white spot? Oh yeah, I see it on yours. Yeah, that's really that. That looks like mold almost. Yeah, it's it is it's calcium lactate and uh, tyrosine. It's the, the wow. crystal stuff that starts to dry out from the inside of the cheese, and it it deposits itself in those open holes. So Amazing. you'll see that as it gets really old. So, right, so, the, uh, so that makes sense as, as, as the aging, but also now in this one, this one's much firmer to the touch. It's hard. It, is this yep. a, it could be a gradable. I guess you could grate it on food. Would people, again, is this would be a waste of this cheese to grate it Absolutely. onto other Absolutely. But it, but it would, it would be great. It would be outstanding. Now, one thing about it, feel the texture in it still when you bite it and you, when you squeeze into it, it's still soft enough to, to squeeze. You can yeah. get, get your fingernail into it and such. Yeah. Um, this one is 10 years old and it is still soft enough to squeeze. Is that from the from the fats and the oils that allow for that? Because the moisture is kind of pretty well gone. It's a whole milk cheese. So it's got a, it's got about even amount fat and protein from the start. Yeah. So this is like mm. this one is uh, oh 36 months as opposed to 10 months. So it's been aged three, three and a half times as long as the first got a totally right. different flavor profile Completely. i'm tasting almost like a butter butterscotch, butterscotch. kind of caramel butterscotch dipped in peat caramel. whiskey, <laughs> dipped the, in first, whiskey. the first time i tasted a 40 month old cheese called sand canter i was do, i was doing write up on it and the first thing that came to my mind when i put it in my mouth was caramel butterscotch dipped in peat whiskey you know <laughs> exactly what it tastes like man and it this one is 10 years old and it just tastes more like that. It yeah. More intense like that. Wow. But it, it's so, oh it's so different from cheeses that we're used to in, you know, American style cheeses. Yep. Um, and then complex mm. the flavors are, they linger in your palate. It's oh, unbelievable. God, yes. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Mm. Well, well, we've gotten through three of my six cheeses, yep. uh, which might mean that this is a good time for us to take a little break. Definitely. Should I be, should I be, and then for the benefit of those people who want to do their own tastings, in between, eat a piece of bread or a cracker or something? I to, would do something like that, or, or or enough time. If you give enough time, your your natural saliva will clean most of it off of your palate. Uh, but yeah, I, I usually, I keep little crusty brown breads, <laughs> a little bite of it. Yeah, I've got a, a little piece here. Right. Um, but now well, you've, you've seen how Gouda goes from you know, uh, uh, fudgy and, and dense. You've probably had young Gouda or Gouda, you know, mild Gouda. That's, that's what most of us are used to is exactly nothing like what these taste like. That's, that's two to three months old. Then you get into the 10 month, then you get into the, you know, year and a half and the three year and the five year and 10 year, you can buy at least five year Gouda on the market. Uh, it's available. 
Now, the 10-year um, piece that you have, is it, is it 10 years because you've kept it for another five oh, years? Yeah. yeah, it's because I took a, I, I took a wheel of three-year gouda and aged it for another seven years. Um, so do you, and do I, you have your own little cheese, um, you know, cellar or, or? Yeah, it's called a refrigerator. <laughs> you do it right in the fridge, huh? Yeah, I have a big, I have a big, uh, um, like a commercial fridge that's, you know, reach-in style fridge. And uh, I have it uh, blocked and sectioned in half where one side's wetter than the other. Uh-huh. Um, but they're both just cold and you turn this, you get big pieces and turn them over every couple of months. Do and, you wrap them in anything? Uh, age them out. You just wrap, leave them uh, exposed or do you wrap them? Oh no, no. They're all, they're all vacuumed, vacuum packed. Oh, so I, I have them cryovac. Uh-huh. And then I open the cryovac and I take a plug and take it out and taste it and see what it's doing. Wow. And I see, I'll put the plug back in and seal it off with the, the, the food grade wax and put it back in and vacuum it out and see what it does six months from now. For people who don't have vacuum pack set up at their house, what, what would be the best way for them to store cheese if they're planning to keep it, you know, a chunk for six to months or longer? Uh, if you don't have a seal a meal type thing, don't even try. Don't even try. Don't use plastic wrap or anything like it that. It doesn't work. It, it's a plastic wrap, the cling film even if you're a perfect wrap person, you get every air bubble out, you triple wrap it. It's a temporary solution. Uh, it's not a permanent thing. If you've got them, you know, if you've got one of those little seal a meal deals, yeah, you can use those and keep cheese for quite a while. Um, but, but other but than that, no, don't try aging to get it home. But if it's in a vacuum, does that does that affect the fermentation uh, flavor development? Since since there's it doesn't have it's an anaerobic sort of exactly. That that a uh, hundred um, years ago, I would have said yes. Uh, today, not so much. <laughs> Most of the cheese manufacturers they've changed their recipes to allow for anaerobic ripening because they know that the cheeses are going to be vacuumed before they go anywhere. Um, there's a few. So in other words, some of the bacteria that are that are used in the in the in the recipe are anaerobic, the kind that can uh, can function. Yep. outside of an oxygenated environment. Right. <laughs> wow. And that came about, but they, the cheddar recipes and, and all those recipes had to be changed when vacuum packing came into being um, because they're no longer have oxygen. Um, no, no wonder cheese making has become like, like so many other artists and crafts, such a, an obsessive hobby and, 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 uh, and career uh, probably. Mm-hmm. And why more and more, uh, cheese, farmstead cheese companies are coming into existence because once you get sucked down that rabbit hole, oh, it's like fathomless. It is. It, 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 th- there's a reason that I got bored with everything I've ever done in a matter of days, weeks, or months. And cheese has kept me interested for 30 years. Yeah, you can't, um, you can, can't get to the bottom of it. You, it just keeps going and going and going. There's so much more to learn. So let's so move on and be- taste. Let's take our break. Yeah, let's take and a little break and that, I'm going to let my palate kind of recover from yep. uh, and, and savor what's still on there. And we'll come back uh, in just a moment with part two of our, of what, what, would you, what category of cheese are we talking about? What's the name of this? They're called, the hard, these are hard cheeses. This is the, the, hard, the category cheese category. of hard cheese, hard slash hard grading, hard, uh, but they, uh, uh, this is the hard cheeses. We've done our Gouda run. Next, we're going to go into Northern Italy and see what they do. Fantastic. Join us in part two with Mark Todd, the cheese dude on Pizza Quest. Excellent. We'll be right back with more Pizza Quest right after this break. 
This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca, helping you to plan your next getaway. Ithaca has waterfalls and wineries, art and theater, outdoor recreation, and family fun. The area is famous for its glacier-carved gorges, co-op-run businesses, and cultural influences from Cornell University and Ithaca College. The area is well-known for its local cideries, which are leading the way in America's cider revival. You can hear from the region's cider makers directly on HRN's series Hardcore. There is something really special about Ithaca's climate for cultivating delicious apples steeped in history and terroir. The second season of Hardcore is out now. You can learn all about apples and fermentation and dive into how cider makers and their communities are working to create an equitable industry and one that is resilient to climate change. Listen to Hardcore on your favorite podcast app. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers. Thanks to HRN, I ventured into the world of cooking with sumac, and I have not looked back since. I was listening to A Taste of the Past with my mom, and there was an episode about the history of American food. It inspired me to make it the subject of my final social studies project, and I ended up getting an A. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate to become a member today. We thank you for your support. Welcome back to Pizza Quest with Peter Reinhardt and my friend and guest, Mark Todd, the cheese dude, coming from my old stomping grounds to the West County of Sonoma County in, uh, you know, on the Russian River or in the Russian River area. I don't know if you're right on the river or if you're in the woods or where, you, where you're buried back there in that. Uh, I'm about 300 feet up the hill from it. Uh, from the if, if the sun's just right, I can see the sun gleam, uh, bounce off the river through the trees. Awesome. And you're, you're, you're like in the Monte Rio area, right? You is, bet, right in Monte which Rio. Is, which is on the way to the ocean. Uh, yes. I think it, the river runs out in where Jenner, if I recall. Correct. And and then suddenly you're in the Pacific Ocean. So And there's so much in the West County that goes on there that it's one of the most fascinating, wonderful places to live. I, I cherish the time that I lived out there. Um, and not just grapes, not just Come wine. on back. Come on back. I'm coming. I'm coming. Um so, Mark, um, we were talking uh, in part one here about the subtle nuances on the on the category that we would call Gouda or the Dutch would call Calda uh, cheeses and how there's so many deviations and variations of uh, how this can be made. But ultimately, it comes down to the, the cocktail of microorganisms and then the recipe itself in terms of water temperature, milk temperature, um, aging, you know, everything else that, that factors in. And the three caldas that we tasted, one with goat cheese, one with the two with cow's milk, were so different from each other and mm-hmm. yet amazingly complex. And, yes. and then the, the one that was the aged one, the three and a half year one, had so, so many tones of caramel and butterscotch. And I mean, it, it starts going into, it opens up a whole realm of, of flavor analogies, I guess is the best way to say it. And that's how you can get your head around it. Mm-hmm. Um, we're about to go into another category of cheeses that are slightly different, but when we were talking about it, it made me uh, remember something that came up on our bread symposium last year was that 
studies that are being done at North Carolina State on sourdoughs, sourdough breads, and the variations is very parallel to the cheese world. Um, in fact, at one time when I thought I wanted to be a cheese maker, I decided that I could never be uh, careful and precise enough to be a good cheese maker. So I would go for bread, which is much more forgiving, you know, at least right. I thought it was. And and of course, what we found is, is that uh, in the studies and analyzing the various sourdough starters that are that exist all around the world, sure. and then how the same bread made from the same starter can still taste different from from somebody else's based on how they how they make it but another factor that they determined was that the hands themselves of the bread maker whoever's handling that dough is could affect because sourdough is aged longer than regular bread so these flavors have a chance to develop that they found even a difference between the the, the types of bacteria and yeast that will exist in a woman's hands versus a man's hands mm -hmm. and they and they, they're starting to be able to get drilled down that deep to say to be able to identify the nuances of flavors, all based on, again, the microorganisms that are it, transmitted into that product. But and the thing, the, the, the part of that is, is deeper than just the hands. It's the hands and where those hands have been, where yeah. they live, what, yeah. what, what part of the county they live in, because the yeasts that are in that area will stick to their skin. They'll bring it in and to add that to the yeast that are already in the bread. Um, it's also the yeasts and, and all the stuff in the air in the area you're making. So if I make it here, the bacteria mold and yeasts that are in the air here are different than they are where you live. So even if you came here with your same hands yeah. and made it here, it would be different because it's a wild product. It's a living product. That's one of the things that made cheese so fascinating for me is it's basically four ingredients. It's starter culture, salt, rennet, milk. That's yeah. it. You know, yeah. and there's thousands of ways you can make it different. Bread is the same thing. And it's the it's the influence of terroir and it's the type of, of ingredients you use, how you deal with them, the recipe you follow. And every one of those makes a different product. Beer is the same thing. Go to Belgium where they still make wild yeast beers called Lambics. Yes. That wild yeast is different every day. Yeah. So every day the beer is going to be a little different that day. And that's, that's how we've been doing it for thousands and thousands of years. Um, the way we do it now with measured, you know, culture houses and people that, you know, give you pure strains of this bacteria, that that's all new. Yeah. But we've been making this preservation method for tens of thousands of years. And this all falls under the sort of the larger umbrella of fermentation. When you say all the things we're talking yep. about, the things that are alive, that because through fermentation, um, and why there's so many parallels between beer, cheese, milk, uh, 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 wine, you name it. Um, but the cheese, the thing that you know, I'm appreciating as we talk about this cheese is it has time. It can have, it can be given the time to really develop those flavors. I guess you can do that with wine and other products but you rarely see it with bread you rarely see it with beer nope. that it gets aged like this but belgium ages beer because they learned that if you age hops if yeah. you harvest them and let them age for a year or two years yeah. the bitterness drops like a rock the preservative quality remains very high so you wow. can make beers with a huge amount of hops in them that are not bitter at all. They're not so Belgian beers can be laid down for decade or more. That's awesome. And, and I'm sure just as there are people like you, cheese dudes who are obsessed with cheese, 
there are beer dudes and there are wine dudes and obviously bread dudes, you know, I know that, a lot are, of them. <laughs> that are, that are, that are exploring these same, you know, depths of yep. potential and which is, which is what makes it so fascinating. And I think absolutely fermentation is, is, is the sort of uh, the obsession of the day, you know, as if yes. so many people are sucked into, into that world. Well, we've got three uh, cheeses yep. that uh, now one is an American style Parmesan. We're going to start with is, that one. And, and another is a, an authentic Parmesan or authentic mm. meaning that it comes from Parma. And then the third is a Romano made from sheep's milk. So let's start with the American style. And I've got okay. a chunk of it here that's been aging in my refrigerator. Right. Uh, and like, just like you were saying, I, I haven't vacuum packed it. I've just sort of let it happen, but mm -hmm. I'm going to shave off a piece. So that, that will have lost a, a, a tremendous amount of moisture, water, because of how it was wrapped and stored. Yeah, so that one is going to be quite fairly crumbly, I'm guessing. Um, well, let's, let's try it. Yeah, it seems like it's definitely hard, firm. Uh huh. And it's chewy, you know. Mm hmm. But it's not granular. No, no, it doesn't have those um, those grains oh, of yeah, those crystals. The flavor is coming out. The more I chew it, I'm getting yep. more and more flavor emerging so right about now you should be getting just a hint of tropical fruit in the back ah, just a little bit of hint like uh go. like you would smell a pineapple upside down cake down the street but you're not actually yeah, yeah. eating it yeah 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 the very a hint of a pineapple-ish yes. kind of thing yeah um but really 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 subtle it but, is and the cheese of course is delicious but it finishes, to those, it finishes fairly sweet yeah um uh and it, the the depth of flavor is not broad yet. It's still fairly narrow in its flavor profile. That's about 12 months, I guess. The one I have is about 12 to 14 months. And you can buy Parmesan that young. You can buy uh, uh, Grana Padano that young. And it it's legal. It just doesn't have as much flavor as it will in shortly. I was going to bring a, a piece of uh, Grana Padano uh, today, but, I, but the Padano. store didn't have it. Padano. Yes. Um, but what's the difference? I think there's some general confusion about what's different. If you go, if you go to Italy and you look at a map of northern Italy, the Po River Valley is huge. It goes all the way from Asti at one side, all the way down to Bologna on the other side, and uh, Verona in that area. So there's that whole area has been making mountain cheeses for two thousand years. Um, the little area of Reggio Emilia, Parma. And a little yeah. section of Bologna are where Parmesan comes from. It's a little subset of this whole Po Valley. The rest of that Po Valley, that's where Grana Padano comes from. So it's essentially the same cheese, just a different valley. Yes, different part so, of the same valley. But it's but the method is the same. The virtually the, the same. The bacteria are the same. Um, they don't so, actually use starter culture. That's one of the unique things. There is no starter culture in Parmigiano Reggiano. It is strictly milk, salt, and rennet. That's it. Yeah. And just picks up its its uh, its its uh, fermentation uh, microorganisms from yep. the atmosphere. from that region. But but with Grana Padano, they actually introduce. Uh, no, nope, it's the same. Made the same way. Made the so same really, way. if somebody says, you know, I prefer using Grana Padano to Parmigiano, they're really just saying it's. I just have a preference for this valley over that valley. Yeah, and and. Uh, the Grana Padana is, is released at 10 months legally 
uh, Parmesan has to be at least 12 before they put those dots on it. They, they brand it. Um, most grana padano is padano is eaten at about 16 months. It's a younger version. Most Parmesan is eaten at about two years. Well, that's so what I've got here now. That's I've got a two, a two year, year a two year uh, uh, Parmigiano Reggiano. Yep. Um, so uh, we'll compare this to the one to the American piece that we just tasted. Now that one, bu just bust a chunk by hand and see what it does. Oh. Well, just kind of crumbles. You'll yeah. see that it breaks right on the grana texture. They call oh. these these cheeses grana because the way the cheeses, the curds are cut, they're cut very small. And when they pack back together, that's what you get, these little bitty curds. So when wow. it breaks, yeah. it breaks right along the curd structure. What I see. So now the, the, the big difference between Parmesan and all the rest of the mountain cheeses we're going to talk about is that Parmesan is part skim. It is part skim cheese. So when you chew on this one, you'll see that grana structure remains all the way as long as you chew it. That, that's interesting that you would think being such a famous, you know, highly prized cheese that it would have, you know, full fat or this or that, but it's really, nope. and because I remember I, I actually got to go to a, a, a cheesery wow. in, in the Parma area and saw it being made, saw the wheels being made and it is, and they were, and they were basically, you know, they're talking about skim milk using skim milk. Yep. And, but you, and can make, he, you can make uh, like uh, mascarpone out of the cream and parmesan out of that. Yeah, even after they, uh, after they, uh, you know, uh, separated it and they had the whey and everything else, they were making uh, ricotta cheese. They were yep. still getting curds out of that out of well, that runoff. You know what the word ricotta means? No. Recooked. <laughs> recooked. Uh, so you can do is out of mozzarella, out of parmesan, you recook the whey and you get another protein out. The That's Italians never let any food get out the door. Exactly. Trust me. Exactly. Yeah. Well, well, this so of course this cheese definitely has you know much more complex, intense flavor than the than the first version. Um, but, that, but you still get that incredible, especially when you break a piece open and first smell it you get that straight up uh, uh, pineapple aroma. That Parmigiano-Reggiano is just famous. It has exactly the same ester that makes the skin of a pineapple smell like pineapple. Interesting. So see, now that you provided the, the language to match the aroma, now I get it. You know, I see mm -hmm. you smell it and you go, wow, that's really cool what it is. But you can't, if you don't have the words or... Right. But that is so that now I now I notice the pineapple. It's pretty right. Cool. And 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 if you if you're really good with with tropical flavors, it also has a little bit of a mango flavor. It also got a little bit of a guava flavor, green guava. But pineapple is the one you hit most. It's the most pro yeah prominent. And I yep. suppose if you if you age it even longer, uh, that drops. That part that that uh, um, the uh, tropical fruit flavor drops like a rock between about thirty two and thirty six months. And, so, and it's replaced by what more um, granularness, or it, I would say um, nutty richness. You know, it's it's it, uh -huh. it retains that richness that you get here, but it it loses that tropical fruit flavor and just becomes a strong cheese, uh, sweet but strong. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't usually get. You can buy Reggiano up to five years uh, or more, but I don't eat it past two. I like it at twenty four months. It's so, so so then you've kind of that's the peak for you. Yep. Wow. Twenty twenty two wow. to twenty eight somewhere in there is when that 
that tropical pineapple really peaks. Well, that's where we are with this one because the one yep. I have is 24. That's um, that's when they sell it to Americans because that's what we like. Now, when they say 24, then there's also travel time. There's yep. how long it's sat in the store. Does that add any any qualities yep. to the cheese? It, it, it ages it. It makes so it, it could older. be it could actually be 32 months by now. Um, but uh, so that that time that it's that it's been in a cut wheel and everything still counts as part of its aging process. If in a whole in the whole wheel form, it will continue to age at a re- relatively even rate. Once you bust the wheel, it will not ripen evenly anymore. Okay. Uh, it'll not still ripen. That. It just because you've changed the, the geometry of it, it will ripen differently now. But uh, even if you bust a wheel apart into little wedges and cryovac each one, they will still continue to age if you leave them in a fridge for years, just differently than they would if they were in a whole wheel. <laughs> well, okay, we've got one more cheese to try. This is, uh, again, a cheese that I think Americans tend to think of Romano and Parmigiano as very similar, but they're really different, especially if it's... Did you um, do your Piave Vecchio? Oh, yeah, that's the one I was... No, you should have two left. Piave Vecchio and the Romano. Uh, oh, my gosh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Here it is. Okay. So now I'm, I'm using a dry jack, which has cocoa, a brown cocoa coating. I love dry jack. I, that's where I, I live, very, very right. close to the I'm just, uh, Velo. I'm telling the people that don't know that yeah. it's, it's got a cocoa coating. I and see. This I, very yeah, similar they, to what. They kind of roll it in a cocoa paste. They rub and, it. But, and, and they told me that that doesn't really add much to the cheese. Nope. It's just there for, I it guess, seals the rind. Yeah. It, it just seals out the rind. Keeps but that has often out. been referred to as the American Parmesan, right? Uh, some people call it that, and they're dead wrong because it's not Parmesan. It's much closer to Asiago or Piave Vecchio. Ah, okay. Because our Asiago and Piave Vecchio are whole milk cheeses. They age them out like they do a Parmesan, but they're ah. made with whole milk. Oh. Parmesan is part skim. That's why Parmesan can be grated. Uh-huh. Asiago doesn't really like to be grated. If you try to grate it, it gums up the grater because it's made with whole milk. It's still softer to the touch. That's interesting. That's something I didn't know. And probably many people didn't know that it was that, that that's a, a very important differentiator. Mm-hmm. That it's whole milk. Yep. So Asiago is not just a region of Italy that has its own little style, it, but it's, it's a recipe, just like everything, every other cheese. It's a recipe that came from that region of Veneto and Asiago area. This so is now really this great. one, yeah. the one you have there, you, it, you should be able to, it should bend just a little before it breaks. A little bit. Uh-huh. And now then smell that inside, crush it and smell the inside. Mm, this, yeah. It's nice, but you get none of that tropical fruit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, right. No tropical, mm-hmm. but it, but it is, a, it is a really nice aroma. I have to say. Absolutely. Let me see what this one is. Um, 12 months. So 12 months. Okay. Vecchio Vecchio means extra aged. Piave is the cheese. The Vecchio version is a 12-month version. There's almost a sweetness at the front end of this one. Right. And then as it starts to finish, it'll start to get a little nuttier. Uh-huh. It'll start to get almond kind of a, a flavor in the back. And it the salt in the cheese doesn't really come on until very at the end, at the very end. You, it finishes just a little hint of salt. You say it there. I'm tasting it here, exactly as you're saying it. Yeah, the saltiness is only just now coming out. It's right. Amazing. 
And that, uh, and that, that, that's that the, the whole milkness of it, the fat hits your tongue first. And that's what you start to notice first. Um, and then at the very end, you start to get the subtle flavors around that, that milk. But that cheese is, uh, um, it shreds beautifully. It doesn't grate as well, but it shreds beautifully. And you can use that in, in place of Parmesan uh, for any of the, you know, pasta topping type applications. Um, it will bring a little bit uh, different rustic flavor to the dish than the Parmesan, which is a little bit sweeter. So when, when people, I'm gonna, somebody calls for a dry Jack or mm -hmm. you know, dry, dry Sonoma Jack cheese, um, Asiago would be a good swap out. And then this one, uh, um, this, this, this one is called what? Piave Vecchio. Piave Vecchio. Which, mm -hmm. which, what does that mean? What does that refer to? Piave is a, is a, uh, the name of the cheese. I think it's actually a town. I won't swear to that, but it's the name of the cheese is Piave and they sell it young, medium, and old. The old version is Vecchio, meaning extra age. The, the word Vecchio means extra age. You can buy Parmigiano Vecchio. That's like three to five year age. Extra age. I see. So this is an extra age and it's, and it, it falls more in the category of Asiago. Correct. Sonoma Dry Jack. And then, of course, its own, its own. I've never heard of it before because I'm not a cheese expert like you. But um, oh, it's an outstanding it's, cheese. It's so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm yep. saying it's so good. I, I'm surprised yep. that I haven't. You know, hasn't and come in, across in, my... the, in the same way that you had that younger version of Gouda and then the aged version of Gouda. Yeah, the younger version of this Vecchio, the uh, the Piave, the non the regular Piave is a different flavor it's creamier it's 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 softer it's more like a table cheese it would um, have to be with all that fat exactly and, but it's and it's still a beautiful cheese like monterey jack goes from creamy buttery melt like crazy all the way through hard knock on wood hard as a rock type cheese that, so it's, that that's one of the things i find fascinating is yeah cheese is a living food and how you make it how you age it how you treat it all of that makes a difference in what you end up with now this one, the last one we have is um, sheep's milk, and I uh, I kept this one to the last because it is uh, aged anywhere from five to eight months, and that's much less than everything else we've been eating. But because it's a sheep's milk, you're going to see, and and the way they make it, you're going to see that it has plenty of flavor. Yeah, at this age. a lot of earthiness sometimes as I'm smelling it. Yeah, tell your real estate agent to go away. Are calling again? Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, I heard one. I, I thought I heard it. My bad. But now when you smell this, the first thing you smell is funkiness. Yeah, a little funky. It's got a it's got a beautiful um, I wouldn't even I don't this one's hard to describe for me. Um it's got a sharpness, a piquantness to it, but it, it's more earthy and a little barnyard. Barnyardy. Uh <laughs> Younger versions can even be a little soapy. Soapy, huh? Interesting. Mm -hmm. This one, mine is beautiful. Mm. Texture is very granular. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet, as young as it is, it's got a tremendous robustness to it. Absolutely. Like rip your face off robust. Yeah. And I've had this cheese aged up to four or five years. And let me tell you, 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 when you finish this, you notice your tongue's got some heat on it. Mm. It's got a little acidic heat. Uh huh. Uh huh. That's from an enzyme called lipase, which is naturally occurring in sheep's milk. Uh huh. And that 
that heat that you get on your tongue, depending upon how old this cheese is, can be anywhere from mildly tingly to a little bit full to Rip, yeah, um, like scrape your tongue off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not. And unfortunately, the piece I have is, I guess, only just giving me a little buzz. You know, not mm. some, not not as much as what you're describing. But I can. So what? A lot of times, the the um, you know the um, Romano and the Parmesans are sometimes you know used. Um, they're they're not at all alike, as you've seen here. Yeah. So so they would have different functions and different. Uh, foods to pair with more yes. appropriately if you i mean one thing that's that i find interesting um romano is one of the oldest cheeses in the world uh they they it goes back at least until the, the early roman days probably the etruscan days which wow. is five to eight hundred bc yeah and that cheese the hard cheeses every every um region along the coast of italy made a hard cheese that they would age in caves and the they had every area had their own romano you know uh sardo everywhere in today's world almost probably 95 percent of the sheep's milk romano in the world isn't made in rome or anywhere near it it's made in uh, uh sardinia that's where almost all of it comes from now and the uh, the pdo um is lists sardinia as the primary place that that is made is there something about the sardinian uh you know, atmosphere and culture that that uh, makes no. it work well for this cheese. Well, yeah, it does. It works great. But the, the main reason it's made there is they got like three point seven million sheep. <laughs> uh, sheep culture, yeah. So they, they, they got yeah. or one point three million. I don't know. They got millions of sheep <laughs> you know, on Sardinia. So that is where a lot of sheep's milk cheeses are made. Interesting. Um, so this yeah. this has been so fascinating. I mean, if, like you say, it's fathomless. Uh, we've only been, you know, talking today about one little subsection of, uh, you know, of the cheese world. Mm-hmm. It's a big, sub, big subsection of the cheese world. The the dry, the the hard cheeses. Um, we've we've each time we get together, I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of my knowledge, but I come away with so many new thoughts about it, and also the connections to the, the other things, the other realm of fermentation, the parallels. Mm-hmm. And and one other thing that that was triggered in today's conversation when we were talking about, um, you know, how some cheeses can even develop uh, stinky flavors and things like that. And we were talking about how the hand isn't it? Didn't you say that there's a type of cheese called hand cheese? Hand cheese from Germany that's beyond aromatic, super stinking, um, being you know like uh, durian quality. <laughs> and it has the texture of a Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's like chewing rubber. I just, really, I, I have no. It's all 100% protein, no fat, um, and it it ages very oddly because of the way it's made, and it's small with lots of surface area, so it ages quick, and it becomes just. Uh, it's an acquired taste. I think you have to grow up with it. Or it well, I don't know that we could whether it would be worth it for us to work that into a taste, but it, but it got me thinking that would the next category for us, the, the next time we get together, I'm going to have you back. To go into stinky cheeses or is there something in between we should do first you you you're it, it, I, i'm just the guy you are you are the you are the one who wants you are to the experience. you're the virgil the virgil of the cheese world for us taking us through the 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 corridors of of so cheeseness you tell me what you want to learn about. I will will figure up a good way to do it. We've done some of the basic stuff now. You know the cheddars, the the pasta filata. 
We've done hard cheese. You know, if you want to go into the funky, uh, you know, barnyardy, stinky orange rind stuff, there's a ton of those out there. But what there. about, but there's other categories. To me. I mean, I feel like once we get into that, it's almost like, like you can't go back. It's like you've, you've come to the, 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 uh, the ultimate uh, frontier. Well, there's lots of semi-soft cheeses that we have not done. And yeah, that's, that's the largest family. Uh, the, that's where you get your mild Gouda, uh, your Fontina, uh, your uh, uh, Monterey, you know, mild Monterey Jacks. And what about, are, where, does, where does Swiss cheeses like? Uh, those are know, kind of considered. Um, Alpines. They're Alpine. They, they normally refer to those as Alpine. And those are cheeses that are made in Austria, uh, Switzerland. Um, northern Italy, uh, parts of France, parts of Germany, they're anywhere the Alps hit. There would it be are best to keep that pieces. as its own separate category, do that as its own, as one, as a whole show, or do we, we can. work that in with the, sure. we work no, that in with the, the semi sauce That's a good way to do it. You know, we can do, uh, um, it, depending on what you can get, if you can find an, an American-made baby Swiss, which is a, a whole milk cheese that has very little to do with Swiss, but it is <laughs> a style of Swiss. Um, and you can do regular Swiss. Regular Emmental is a part skim, very dense. Um, we can do Gruyere. We can do uh, uh, Appenzell. And uh, we could do, uh, uh, you don't have to do it, but they make a cheese called Sprins, which is virtually identical to Parmesan. Um, mm. They've been making, that, that's the thing about these cheeses. We call them, you know, Parma. Like that's the only place it was made. Those big cheeses were made everywhere in the Alps because you had caves in the mountains that were 50 degrees. Guess what? It stores cheese. Yeah. Stick cheeses in, you can keep them for years. The bigger you make them, the longer they last. That's where we started getting these huge wheels of cheese. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It all starts to make sense when you connect the dots for us, Mark. So we really appreciate that. Um, I'm thinking as much as I'm fascinated by the stinky cheese category, I feel we should <laughs> hold that out a couple. Let's get a couple of the other ones that we haven't. Either we'll talk about either we'll do an Alpine show or we'll do the semi-softs as a, and and bring you know uh, bring some of the cheeses that I think the ones that are the most commonly right. uh, recognizable by Americans, so that we can expand everyone's you know understanding of those cheeses better. Absolutely. So, so again, that's um, showing itself. I really appreciate you being here today uh, and being back with us. The cheese dude returns and uh, hopefully we'll return again soon. Mark Todd, thank you. And thank all of you for, you know, listening and watching today uh, on Pizza Quest. We'll continue the conversation. We'll be talking about lots of other subjects. I, this year, we really want to get into what we're doing with, with Mark and the cheese. We want to get into the artisan categories that are connected to, but not necessarily pizza direct so that we can really, you know, see, make those connections. I call it connecting the dots. And I love yeah. doing that. And I love that you've been able to do that with us today. So thank you, Mark. Thank we'll you, see you again. Uh, in the fall, as the fall is getting closer, I'm sure you're going to be thinking about mushroom hunting. So we'll have to talk about that again. And uh, that, that could be another show altogether. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you on the next episode of Pizza Quest. And Mark, Happy hunting. Thanks, Peter. Enjoy. Thanks. Pizza Quest with Peter Reinhardt is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>